This podcast was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Random Nonsense, Episode 3, 80s Sitcoms. In my humble opinion, television in the 1980s was some of the greatest television ever made. There were just so many good shows on TV back then, which is odd because if you think about it, the three, and then eventually four, big networks really had a monopoly on programming. They could broadcast whatever the hell they wanted, and we still would have watched it. When the 1980s started, there were less than 30 cable channels, and only 16 million cable subscribers in the US. By the time the 80s came to a close, there were 50 million subscribers and nearly 80 channels, but the network still brought their A-game. Back then when you asked somebody if they watched a certain show, it was a yes or a no answer. You'd be hard pressed to find anyone who would say, oh I've never heard of that show, which channel is it on? You likely knew the show, but perhaps it was up against another show that you liked better on a different channel. If that was the case, decisions had to be made. Which one would you watch during the first run, and which would you watch during the summer reruns? We also had to watch all these TV shows as they aired one episode at a time with commercials and no fast forwarding and then wait a whole week until the next episode sometimes it could be multiple weeks if there was a state of the union a primetime basketball baseball or football game or a hundred other reasons why your show wasn't on that week it was brutal for a tv junkie like me VCRs came in handy when they became affordable for most homes. At least now you could set a timer and not miss your favorite show if you are out and about. But this was only possible if you had a degree in technology. And you remembered to leave the TV on the channel that you wanted to record. Now for those of you that had a doctorate in VCR programming and proper cabling, you may have even been able to watch one show and record a different show on a totally different channel. Kudos to you if you broke that code. Now before jumping into the 1980s, I do have to show some appreciation for the other decades. 50s TV was pretty cool. I watched Mr. Ed, My Three Sons, Patty Duke, Dobie Gillis, and many more when Nick at Night was still cool. Bewitched, Samantha was pretty hot. I Dream of Jeannie, Barbara Eden, a.k.a. Jeannie, also hot. Beverly Hillbillies, The Munsters, Dennis the Menace, and Car 54 Are You were all quality 60s shows. The 70s, All in the Family, MASH, Three's Company, and my favorite, Happy Days. Sunday, Monday, Happy Days. We're all great. But for me personally, the 1980s reign supreme. Now don't get me wrong, I'm aware I left out many quality TV shows from the previous generations. I just didn't have time to mention them all, and I certainly didn't watch them all. But in the case of the Brady Bunch, I just friggin' hated it. Oh yeah, I said it. Oh, here's a story of a show that sucks ass. 1980s major network primetime TV brought many gems into my life, specifically sitcoms. And it's worth mentioning that some of these shows may have started in the late 70s and ran well into the 80s, or perhaps started in the 80s and overlapped the 90s a bit, but I consider them 80s shows nonetheless. Here are a few outstanding mentions in no particular order. Different Strokes. Silver Spoons, 
ALF, Perfect Strangers, Golden Girls, Married with Children, Roseanne, Family Ties, Alex Keaton, he's so cute! Valerie's Family slash The Hogan Family, The Charmings, Night Court, Webster, Growing Pains, Just the Ten of Us, Full House, Cheers, The Cosby Show, The Facts of Life, Who's the Boss, Punky Brewster, Full House, Mr. Belvedere, Head of the Class, Charles in Charge, My Two Dads, and Out of This World, who by the way, Evie, was also hot. Now there were some non-sitcoms that were pretty badass too, like The A-Team, Sledgehammer, Max Headroom, Streethawk, MacGyver, Knight Rider, Airwolf, and Deuce of Hazard. There was also Doogie Howser, not a sitcom, but an 80s staple nonetheless. The Wonder Years, also not a sitcom, but a show made of pure magic that really resonated with me and is one of my favorite shows of all time. Now I've been watching The Wonder Years again on Netflix, and I hate that they've had to change out some of the music, including the iconic opener of Joe Cocker's Little Help From My Friends. But see, with so many cool TV shows, I told you the 80s were awesome. There were so many hits on so few channels. A few of these shows I'd like to dig into a bit, so join me on a trip down memory lane. Unless, of course, you're too young to know what the fuck I'm talking about. In that case, just listen anyway. And maybe look up some of these TV shows on YouTube or Netflix. Or Hulu. Or Amazon Prime. Or Paramount Plus. Or Disney Plus. Or Apple TV. Sling, perhaps. Or Peacock. Fubo TV. Tubi. Crackle. Acorn TV, Vimeo, Vivo, HBO Max, or any of the other services that you may use. Hell, you have more streaming options today than I had channels during my favorite decade. So tell me, what was your favorite 80s TV show? I'm going to have to go with ALF. Um, mainly because ALF was cool, and... Uh, you know, that nerdy dad that they had and everything. Um, that, and I think that the producers of that show slipped by the greatest surprise fastball in sitcom history when they had Alf's obsession with eating cats, which we all know is a euphemism. Alf. Oh, man. First off, kudos to you, Paul. I have a filthy mind, but I never made that cat connection until you just mentioned it. But let's talk about ALF. I absolutely loved ALF. Loved. When I was a kid. Past tense. Now, in case you've forgotten, ALF was a TV show about a three-foot-tall, fuzzy, alien life form. That's where ALF comes from. His name was Gordon Shumway from the planet Malmac, and he crashed his spaceship into the Tanner household's garage. The family consisted of Willie Tanner, and now that Paul mentioned it, he has me thinking that Willie was a nickname for a male body part, Kate, the mom, Lynn, the daughter, and Brian, the little boy. Now, the show is basically all about Alf causing hijinks, arguing with Willie and Kate, and always hiding from their neighbor, Mrs. Ockmonic. That nosy bitch always thought she saw something and had to go rushing over to the Tanner family's house because she swears she saw something odd. Gold, right? Yes. When I was a kid. 
Now it's hard to say this because it pains me, and it also kind of negates the whole point of this episode, but re-watching ALF as an adult sucks. The series came out on DVD quite some time ago, and I thought, hell yeah, and I bought it. What a mistake. The acting, just god awful. I'm not even sure that any of the cast were actual actors prior to the show, it's so bad. And while I'm at it, the Tanners? Come on, that was the family's last name on Full House as well. What a bunch of unoriginal bastards. But I have to say, I did love Alf as a kid. I had toys, stuffed animals, trading cards, pajamas, bed sheets, I had the Alf lunchbox. And if I hadn't rewatched Alf as an adult, honestly, I would have this show in my top five. Thanks for the memories, Alf. And now, not a top five or even a top 20 for that matter, let me mention a show called Free Spirit. Free Spirit was a 1989 TV show that lasted for just one season. The show starred Corinne Borer as a housekeeping witch. She was also quite hot, but now she's in her 60s, and that's disappointing. A young Allison Hannigan also played one of the kids on the show. You know her from How I Met Your Mother and the American Pie movies. Oh, and this one time, at band camp, I stuck a flute in my pussy. Now, I believe that the premise of the show was about a widower father raising two or three young kids on his own and of course he needs a housekeeper and a nanny because in typical 80s fashion dads are completely incapable of raising kids on their own now i'm sure if the show had continued we would have seen the dad and the sexy witch fall in love he would have learned her secret and a whole bunch of hijinks would have ensued but we never got to see that come to fruition because like i said it only lasted for one season Okay. So which show do we have next? My favorite show from the 80s was Punky Brewster. I loved her style. Her bedroom was totally rad. And she had an amazing treehouse. Besides the fact you would learn important life lessons like say no to drugs and don't hide in a refrigerator while playing hide and seek. Ah yes, Punky Brewster. And let's not forget about Henry. He was a badass old man. And he was also in the Police Academy movies. Penelope, aka Punky, was a pretty cool chick. I definitely crushed on her pretty hard as a kid. Now this show was about a little orphan girl who, if I recall, snuck into old man Henry's apartment one day to get some food, I think. Anyway, he caught her and then somehow ended up adopting her. Though I believe there was one episode where Henry had a heart attack and there was some kind of custody battle slash concern, but it all worked out. It was a quality series, but it was cut short due to the blossoming of Soleil Moonfry. Perhaps you remember Punky Boobster? Anyway, there are two episodes of this show that stand out to me. Number one, the Challenger explosion. The kids watched the Challenger explode in class, but even after it happened, Punky still wanted to be an astronaut. The class was shocked and appalled that Punky would want this after what they saw, but she stuck to her guns and I believe that Buzz Aldrin showed up in her classroom because somehow he had heard about her bravery, and he wanted to commend her and encourage all the kids to keep exploring. 80 sitcoms always had the best visitors. And number two was the Halloween episode. Now there very well could have been more than one Halloween episode, but I just remember one. And honestly, I don't even remember the plot. What I do remember was that it scared the shit out of me, and I had nightmares after seeing it. 
And now what about Mr. Belvedere? I have a major issue with this show, and not because of the show itself, but because why are there no reruns or syndication? I feel like this show was only shown once during its original run and then just never again. Or maybe I'm wrong, because there was an episode of Family Guy where Stewie was trying to watch Mr. Belvedere, but the family was talking and pissing him off. <sighs> Trying to watch Mr. Belvedere. So my advice to the two of you would be... According to our new arrival, life is more than mere survival. And we just might live the good life yet. Now how did Stewie know about Mr. Belvedere? Syndication? The family owns the DVD set? Is there even a DVD set? Or was this just another throwback to the 80s from Seth MacFarlane? Anyway. I think Mr. Belvedere is one of my favorite shows because Mr. Belvedere reminded me of Garfield, which was my favorite cat. And then he also reminded me of my uncle that would babysit us. You see there? Another 80s sitcom and another great memory. Now, Andy, what about you? Samantha, Mona, Angela, Jonathan. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Who's the Boss. Who's the Boss has got to be one of the best 80s sitcoms. And here's why. Because it's about a wash-up sports athlete who has to take on a new life as a houseman in Connecticut. And he is uh, at the whims of the ladies of the house. And uh, from, you know, his boss, Angela, her daughter, Samantha, the mother, Mona, saucy. She's a saucy lady. And then Jonathan, you know. So, um, yeah. And plus you got Tony Danza, who is just like at the peak of his game, really. Um, he's lovable. He's funny. He's charming. Um, and he brings, you know, a bit of that Tony Danzaness to this show. And it's, he really is a straw to stir his drink. I've tried to watch things with him later on in life, but like, doesn't quite match the magic of who's the boss. So that's my favorite. And who am I to argue with that? But I am going to call you out on one thing there, Andy. Samantha, as I recall, was Tony's daughter, not Angela's daughter. Angela had Jonathan, Tony had Samantha. But anyway, now to my top two favorites. Show me that smile, okay. Show me that smile. Growing Pains. So Growing Pains is a show that I loved growing up as a kid. So many good episodes, so many good characters. Um, another show that I complain that it's just not in syndication like it should be. I don't see reruns anymore. It's one of the shows that I would love to watch again, but just haven't. It is available on Amazon, but it's for purchase, and who wants to buy stuff like that? I'm not going to spend two bucks an episode because that's just ridiculous. I'd rather watch it for free on one of the hundreds of streaming platforms I feel like I already have today. But anyway, Growing Pains was such a funny show. And of course, in the later seasons, Leonardo DiCaprio joined the cast, and I think that was his first big break, way before eating Gilbert Grape. But the one thing that's funny about... Growing Pains, if I go back to Paul's comments about Elf, was sneaking the innuendos in there. Boner. I'm sure everybody remembers that Mike Seaver had a friend named Boner. But how did Boner get the nickname? I went online, 
no one seems to remember, but I remember. I even remembered the episode. So that was the one episode I bought just to find it. We learned how Boner got his nickname through a flashback. It was the episode where Mike Seaver graduates high school and of course the reminiscing about his first days in school and he was nervous about going to the bus stop and his parents pointed out, hey look, there's another little boy that seems to be your age. So Mike goes up to him to have a conversation and here's what follows. Hiya! Hi. What's your name? Mikey Seaver. I'm Dickie Stabone. Dickie, that's a pretty stupid name. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. I hate it. Stabone? Boney? Bone? Boner! Yeah, from now on, your name is Boner. <laughs> All the name tags in my underwear say Dickie. <laughs> Yes, it was a cute scene. Little kids, ha ha ha. But Boner, come on. As if Dickie wasn't bad enough. But, like so many child actors before him, Andrew Koenig, who played Boner, had his life end in tragedy. According to a February 26, 2010 article, Boner had been missing since February 14th. And that's when his friends and family found his body in a park in Vancouver, British Columbia. He had been suffering from depression, stopped taking his medication, and sadly hung himself. Now the name Koenig seems familiar. Yes, Walter Koenig, better known as Chekhov from Star Trek, is his father. It was a sad, sad tale for Boner. But regardless of the sad outcome of Boner, the eating disorders suffered by Tracy Gold, who played Carol, the untimely death of Alan Thicke, Dr. Seaver, or the religious nuttiness of Kirk Cameron, Mike Seaver, the show was a classic. Let's put it back on Nick at Night or something. That way we can all watch it again. Who's with me? And a fun fact about Growing Pains is that it was responsible for the show Just the Ten of Us. The coach dad on Just the Ten of Us was like the eight hot daughters and if I recall a decent looking wife, even though he was a fat bald guy in typical 80s fashion, was a spinoff of Growing Pains. He was the coach on Growing Pains, and then I think one episode they kind of followed him home and showed his life, and the next thing you know, he's got a series. Pretty cool. Um, and then even though Full House was not a spinoff, Kirk Cameron, siblings with Candace Cameron, made an appearance in Full House to help bolster their ratings because that show was not an immediate success. Anyway, you know, I gotta say, as I think about 80s sitcoms, sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. And this change is exactly what brought Larry Appleton and Balky Bartakamoose together. Perfect strangers, of course, in my favorite 80s sitcom. This show was and is amazing. As a kid, I loved Balky's funny accent and the misunderstandings he had of American culture. He was from a little island called Mepos, and somehow tracked down his distant cousin Larry Appleton, who had recently moved from Wisconsin to Chicago. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Belki Bartokumus. Philo, my fifth cousin three times removed, is a step-uncle to your father on my mother's side, two continents removed. So cousin Philo says to me, he says, Balky, when you move to America, you have to go to Madison, Wisconsin, to look at George Appleton. That's your father. Yeah, that's the story I heard, too. <laughs> so I said goodbye to Mipos, my little Mediterranean island country, and I got on the tramp steamer. Tramp, 
Trump, Trump. And then I got on the bus, 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 and I found your father to move in. But he said, no, you have to go to the big city of Chicago to find my son, that's you. <laughs> so I got on the bus, 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 and here I am. Well, wait a minute, you came here to move in with me? Of course I did. What do you think, I'm going to move in with some stranger? Balky convinces him that they are cousins and he moves in. They live together and they have so much fun that they often have to do the dance of joy. <laughs> now we are so happy we do the dance of joy! Of course, Larry has a short fuse and is often short with Balky, gets mad at everything, but Balky is just so happy and so grateful that he's always the optimist to Larry's constant pessimism. I had the complete pleasure of re-watching Perfect Strangers. First, I bought seasons 1 and 2 on DVD when it first came out probably 10 years ago or more. I would just laugh and laugh watching this show. And now that I'm older, I have such a deep appreciation for their timing and their physical comedy. How Mark Lynn Baker, Larry, and Bronson Pinchot, Balky, aren't recognized today as a great comedy duo is beyond me. Watch it. I'm telling you, they're impeccable. In season three, Larry and Balky begin working at a newspaper, the Chicano Chronicle, I believe it was called, and the elevator attendant is Harriet Winslow. Sound familiar? That's because she was the mother on Family Matters. Yep, Family Matters was a spin-off of Perfect Strangers. Of course, Urkel became the star of that show, and Harriet eventually disappeared altogether because the actress didn't like the direction of the show. Good for her. But back to Larry and Balky. There were so many memorable moments in that show. Balky throws Larry a last-minute surprise birthday party. Hilarious. Baba Baby Cakes. Mr. Twinkasetti, referring to Balky as a turnip. Is that racist? I think it might be. Sneaking a dog into the apartment. The avalanche episode. Balky and his obsession with Wayne Newton. Larry's bulging head vein of anger. And as already mentioned, the dance of joy. Jennifer and Marianne? Meh. They were okay. But their hairstyles definitely embody the 80s. So there we have it. That's my favorite 80s sitcom of all time. Of course it is. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I want to thank Paul, Christine, Joanna, and Andy for their participation. And yes, while I know I left out many other classic comedies, that could be another episode. Feel free to leave a comment or a review on your favorite podcast platform telling me what your favorite 80s sitcom was. And find me on Instagram if you care to at itsrob11. And as they used to say in the 80s, Later!